0: You're listening to the Good Advice Softball Podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and on this show, you'll learn how to help the softball player in your life sharpen her skills, improve her mindset, and find new confidence through softball. Welcome to Good Advice. I'm Dan Blewett, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about this huge prize that everyone's chasing and that is d1 softball and maybe a little less specifically just college softball so in all my years as a coach and this is not exclusively softball but equally baseball it seems like players and parents put that label of collegiate athlete and also d1 athlete on this artificially high pedestal and so i want to take today's episode to kind of go over what it actually is that you're chasing because I've been to a lot of D one baseball games. I was a D one baseball player. I've been to a number of D one softball games recently. And I think at a lot of times parents and players lose sight of what it actually is and they, they glorify it and they idolize it in a way. That's not really congruent with reality because we act like, D one softball is this magical, this magical place worth being crazy over. I mean, the way some parents act at games, the way some parents and families shell out money as if there's some greater good than really just playing more softball. So I want to start by comparing high school softball to D one softball, because I don't think the differences are as great as you think so. First let's talk about the stadium experience. So if you play high school softball, whether it's you know fresh soft, junior varsity or high school, the field's essentially going to be lined with parents and it's going to be lined with you know other athletes who support the team. You know, your 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 daughter's boyfriend who plays uh you know he's a cross country runner or a football player, he's going to come out and watch. You know, the grandparents are going to come out and watch, but in general a high school softball field is lined with parents. And a handful of other athletes to cheer on their friends in d1 the vast majority of d1 softball fields this is exactly the same now like the top 25 you know some of the the premium schools the sec the pac-12 these really big schools some of them can draw a, a pretty substantial i mean amazing crowd but that's by far the exception and not the rule so i think a lot of times we get We get mixed up thinking that all college softball looks like the college world series all college baseball looks like the college world series and it just doesn't the vast majority of division one programs they get a hundred fans a game they get 50 fans a game a lot of times because parents aren't even that close i mean more more parents live geographically far away from their daughters in college than they do locally you know moms and dads and grandparents can come out and watch every game locally you know, an amateur ball in in, in high school and in, in junior varsity and uh, junior high, whereas now she gets a scholarship. She goes and plays six hours away. You know, family can only come maybe a handful of weekends a year. And uh, obviously, the, the United States is huge. That expanse can get really, really far away where now mom and dad can't really come to the game. So now, you know, the television crews aren't coming a lot of uh, athletic fields on especially bigger campuses and D one schools are always bigger campuses. They, uh, they're not usually on the beaten path. They're not usually in the center of of school where kids are going to stop and watch a game. And, and that's not really something that college, you know, students do, they don't just really stop and say, Hey, I'm going to watch two hours of softball real quick, just because the softball fields here in the middle of campus. I mean, the reality is that most of the student body will never go to a sporting event. That's not football or basketball. I mean, that's just the reality. They're not going to watch swimming or the track team, the baseball team, the softball team. Those seem like pretty mainstream sports and they are, but that's not how college life works. I mean, one great example is uh, university of Maryland baseball. Their, their field is right by the football field. It's smack in the middle of campus. And that baseball team still only gets hundred, 200 fans a game at most. So, you know, we start to put this, uh, D one thing on a big pedestal. Whereas in reality, the fan experience, aside from playing on a much nicer field, it's mostly the same. You go play D one baseball, D one softball, and it's this magical thing, but it's really, it's just an extension of travel. It's just an extension of high school. It's really the same, just on a slightly nicer field or vastly nicer field, depending on where you come from. But it's not this, this beacon, this diamond, this magical thing that a lot of us think that it is. Obviously, if you go play for University of Oklahoma or UCLA or Florida State, that's a little different. That can be a big time experience. But the vast majority of you listening to this, your daughters won't be able to play there. They won't be good enough. And that's just unfortunately the reality that only 10% of all D1 schools are in the top 25. There's 300 D1 schools. So we just need to be realistic about what we're chasing and why and what it actually looks like. I mean, do you know what that goal looks like? that and I know most of you are, are very reasonable in your expectations listening, but a lot of families get really wrapped up in this prize that maybe isn't as sparkly as we think. The other things, uh the, the peripheral stuff, the uniforms, the gear, those are things that obviously athletes love. Like everyone loves getting a cool new dry fit and a great hoodie and nice uniforms. But I'm here to tell you that, yeah, college swag can be really nice, but it's not that much different than the swag that you pay for. I mean Amateur teams are pretty well outfitted these days. You know, they have a, a couple uniforms. They have alternate jerseys. They have really nice hats, visors, great socks, great cleats, four hundred dollar bats. There's not a lot of difference in a D1 program, and we're not even talking about D2, D3, and junior college programs yet, who have a very similar experience, but just like less, lesser facilities, lesser uniforms, really just the peripheral things. Um, are different but the experience is largely the same you go play d2 d3 junior college you're still getting a very similar a fan experience to a d1 program and so when we start to say I I've got to play d1 softball unless you're playing in the top 25 one of those premium big-name College World Series sort of caliber schools they all become quickly very very similar the next thing is classwork obviously You're going to go to class, whether you're a high school or a college athlete, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to put in the work. There's really no distinction there. You're going to have more work in college, but your days are less structured. Kids are extremely busy in college and uh, a lot of players drop out. And this is all sports when they get to college because they realize, man, like it looks cool to be a regular student. Like they get to go party. They get to go to concerts. They get to go to spring break. They get to do. A lot of stuff in the summer and the in the winter like they just get to have a much more diverse student experience and being a d1 athlete is great i mean there's perks don't get me wrong i loved being one myself i don't think many athletes that make it to the end um, and graduate as a college athlete would ever give that experience back but it's it's a very constrained prohibitive type of experience it's very different you're up at 7 a.m a lot of days because you have to take earlier classes you have to You've worked out sometimes in the pool or, you know, in the weight room, whatever, before classes, you got to have your classes done by 1 PM. So you can be at your two to five workouts, your practices after, after, uh, after, you know, in the late afternoon. And then after you get home you gotta eat dinner and you do your schoolwork and prepare for the next day. So that's not normal student life. And that's why a lot of kids, they get to college and they make it one semester and then they're done and they chase this thing for so long and i've trained a number of kids that did this in my academies one year you know one semester one year whatever they're gone they just don't want to do it anymore they want to be a normal student and that's okay everyone's end of the road comes at a different time but it's not necessarily a better experience being a d1 athlete unless you're really passionate about putting in the work for your sport because d1 sports d2 sports Uh, to a lesser degree D3 sports, they're a lot of work. And I only say that in that sense because D3 schedule is less rigorous. You're gonna play less games, practices uh, are fewer in the fall especially. Um, It's not to say that you're any lesser of an athlete playing D3 because you're not, it's just like it's a a less rigorous schedule than D2, D1. And that's just unfortunately a fact. So that's just sort of what you're signing up for. If you wanna have a little less constrained schedule, then D3 is a better fit for you because you will have more time in the fall, you will have less practices, you will have a less rigorous schedule if you're a D1 athlete. And there's exceptions to that for sure, but that's on the whole more of the experience. And lastly, travel. Kids travel so much these days on these high-level teams, it's not vastly different than the college schedule. Obviously, you're playing, you know, 60 games in the spring. And you're going to be on a bus, you're going to be away for the weekends. And again, this is where the the student athlete experience changes a lot. But it's not that different than than a summer of a really busy of tournament softball, you know, you're going to be gone for the weekends there, too. Just the same. Right. And uh, and so players are used to that. So when you really break it down like this, there's not that many differences except for the nicer field, the nicer facilities, you're away from home. But all the peripheral things the spectators in the stands, um, you know, the, the overall experience, the nice uniforms, the classroom work, the travel, all that's very similar. It's eerily, eerily similar where we put it on this big pedestal and it really, for the vast majority of college, uh, college programs, it doesn't, it really just doesn't belong on that pedestal. And it's not to say that it's anything less valuable worth change worth chasing. I just think it's worth understanding what you are chasing because for a lot of us again we think of D1 softball as this big shiny college world series caliber experience and it's not it's it's two teams of really athletic players playing in front of 50 parents and a couple boyfriends and girlfriends and a couple grandparents and a couple administrators and supportive teachers and a couple you know regular narps from the student body and that's just a derogatory term that athletes use as uh, to their regular student brethren it's called uh non-athletic regular people so just a little uh little little non-athlete slang but that's what the experience is so if you go to a d1 softball game that's what you're going to see and i think sometimes players and families lose their way chasing this thing that's not as glamorous as it could be so why do we chase it then number one you know obviously you want a great degree and this is where it also comes down to don't go to a d1 school that doesn't fit you as well academically as a d2 or d3 or maybe even a junior college where you can save a lot of money um, and still academically get what you want or more it doesn't make sense when almost no college softball players turn pro to go get a lesser degree at a big big time school versus a more powerful degree or turn down scholarship money from a school that doesn't have the prestige, maybe is D2 or D3 or junior college, but is going to give you a better academic track, save you a lot of money, and college degrees are worth less than they've ever been worth. And the financial risk and reward is way out of whack, and that's hopefully going to change soon, but what you get for your $120,000 is less than ever, and that debt can haunt a lot of people for a long time. So, the degree needs to still be number one. And again, sometimes you might have a low D one offer and then some great D three offers that make more sense academically and long-term. And that's a very reasonable choice to make to choose the lesser college softball program and go on the better long-term academic track. Because again, if you talk about a low to mid tier D one, you're still getting 50 fans in the stands and a nice ballpark to play at, but beyond those things, it's very, very similar to D3. D3, you're gonna get 50, 50 fans in the stands and still a pretty nice ballpark, and you're gonna have a lot of kids that still care a lot about the game and compete and work really hard, and you'll still get all the camaraderie and all that stuff that you really end up cherishing when you leave. So the other two main things are living where you wanna live, and this is another reason not to choose a bigger program just because it's D1. Don't go to some small town that you don't see yourself in. You know, if you want to be, you know, worth working, you know, high level orthopedics, or you want to be in, in a, in a tech field in the future, go where there's really good tech jobs, you know, go where there's really good, you know, medical schools in the area. Don't go to some small town that has a, a D one program just because it's D one. And this is a conversation I have with all sorts of athletes. They should go where there's opportunity after college. Not just my opportunity was to play here because that ends up being a dead end if I don't want to live in this town I would never live in this town outside of playing my sport here that's not a good long-term choice but the really big thing the, the biggest reason that playing at the highest level is a good choice is for competing you want to compete that's the reason that we play our sport and for the camaraderie and all the life lessons but There's a lot of athletes that just want to compete at the highest level they can to see what they're made of. And I applaud that. I applaud that mindset. That's how I was. That's how lots of athletes were. And so if you feel like I want to compete against the best possible athletes, I want to play D1 because I can and I want to pull myself up to that level and I want to just see what I'm made of and how good I can be against other players who are extremely good, the best, the best caliber that I can find, then do it. Then by all means, go do it. But if you don't feel that deep in your spirit your soul whatever you want to call it then it's probably not the right choice to turn down other opportunities academically or or geographically or whatever but if you really just want to grind it out and compete your face off because that's the kind of athlete you are and again that's awesome and that's really the number one reason to go as high as you possibly can is to compete and if that's who you are go do it But if that's not the number one thing, the absolute number one thing that gets you out of bed as an athlete, then you need to take a long look at the other options and why you're doing what you're doing and where you're potentially going. And parents, if it's not for them all about, and it's not for your daughter, all about competing, then this just should be a big family conversation about what level is really at the end of the day, right for you. Let's do the 90 second mindset. So, today, players, this is for you. And on each one of these, I'm going to do one time I'm going to be players, another time it'll be coaches, another time it'll be parents. This isn't just mental training for softball, this is a mindset change and something to contemplate. So, today, players, why do you hustle? And this is one of those, it seems like one of those sappy, stupid, boring topics, but really, hustling is one of those things and obviously in baseball there's the baseball gods. This is why I named my book Dear Baseball Gods. It's the same, there's the softball gods and they're not really these entities but what they are is good and bad luck and they're the humble, the humbling that you get when you think you're better than you are or that the highs will not come down and softball because of the vast amount of good and bad luck the vast amount of bloopers that fall in of borderline strikes that either go your way or go against you the bad hops you know the the tough routes to ball that a player takes that ends up changing a game all those things those are the reason that you hustle as soon as you you let your guard down whether it's in softball or it's in life, whatever it is, as soon as you let your guard down and say, I can walk here, I can let off the gas here. That's when someone else who's not letting off the gap catches up and you never catch up again after that. And the other thing is laziness is contagious. So some of the best teams I've ever coached against or played against, they're teams where they hustle and the hustle is clearly just viral. It's contagious and everyone on that team strides for every next base they grind the game out they refuse to bow down they take every bat like it's their last they they grit and they grit and they grit and that is a contagious attitude so as soon as one player on your team stops hustling and everyone else enables it they say "Oh, that's okay she's tired it's been a long day nah when you compete you compete with yourself and when you're tired everyone else is tired too especially if you're a hard worker and you're in great shape, if you're a hard worker and you're in great shape and you're tired, everyone's more tired than you. That's when you really have to dig deep. That's when the hustle matters most. And that's when you really separate yourself from everyone else on the field and your team from the lesser teams. Cause if you're tired, you can still muster the energy to hustle. And if you're tired, then everyone else is more tired than you. So it's not one of those overrated things. Coaches will complain to players about hustling over and over until, you know, the, the last game is played, but hustle is one of the most underrated, easy, completely within your power things to control. And the longer you play, the less overrated you will realize that it is. Hustle is extremely important and it will always come back in your favor and the softball gods will reward you. All right, it's time for Good Questions, our listener Q&A segment. Remember, if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, please email a voice recording to hello at danblewitt.com. This is easy to do on your phone through the Voice Memos app on iPhones or any voice recorder app on Android. Links to email me are in the show notes. All right, so let's do our Q&A segment here, Uh, good questions. So our first good question here is from Crimson. Hi, Coach Dan. This is Crimson Rice from Spokane, Washington. I have a question with regards to pitching during a game. Sometimes I find myself overthinking pitching mechanics, which many times does not lead to the best outcome. What suggestions do you have to help pitchers overcome these tendencies? All right, uh, crimson. Great question. And as a former pitcher myself, uh, I think everyone's been down this road and it's not limited to just pitchers. It's also hitters as well. So overthinking causes our action as athletes to become less fluid. We can't possibly control ourselves through a game. So essentially there's two parts to the athlete's life. There's practice and there's games. So when you're in practice, this is where you have a little more conscious control where you allow yourself to feel through your mechanics, to try to make changes, to think a little bit more and put your mind in your muscles to try to make again, those mechanical adjustments to your swing, to your, your pitching mechanics, whatever it is, when you get out on the mound and this is easier said than done, or when you get in the box, you just have to be. And this is where it comes down to having a tunnel focus and some sort of focal point where you can sort of bring yourself back to be present. So one of the big mental skills is being present and present means I'm right here. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm not thinking about the past. And when we're thinking about our mic, and when we're thinking about our mechanics, we're not in the present moment. We're thinking in the past or we're thinking in the future, we're thinking about what I need to control to hit the ball. Well, what I need to control to make the pitch that I want to make. And so, the biggest thing that athletes need to learn to master and it comes back to the same thing is that when i'm in the game i'm no longer practicing i'm in a game my only job is to go through my mental checklist before a pitch that means where am i backing up what's the situation how many outs where are the runners what are my duties if i get a comeback or a bunt to the left to the right whatever it is who's on deck who's in the hole who's um you know coming up next inning whatever it is all those tasks have to be checked off your mental checklist so you know You don't have to think about them in the future. You don't have to worry about what you're going to do when the balls hit there or here, where you're going to go, et cetera. All the stuff in the future is covered. And then your job is to choose your pitch and then everything else is done. So, you know why you're throwing it, you know what you're doing. And now I've chosen, I'm going, you know, rise ball up middle here. And my only job now is to execute that pitch. I visualize that pitch leaving my hand, I visualize the streamer of the the way it streaks through the air and the, the neon path that it leaves behind me, and then I do it. I go do it, I don't think, I just visualize, I lock my eyes on the mitt and I go. And so that's easier said than done too. And so really the way to get yourself back to being present is by having some sort of action, some sort of reset action, whether it's a deep breath, whether it's a belly breath where you push your, st- your belly out and in and you take your breath that way, which is some say is like a more calming sort of breath, whether it's a slap on the thigh or on the butt, or maybe you just like pinch yourself through your uniform pants. Maybe you have like a little coin in your back pocket that you, you clench in your fist when you're feeling stressed and uh, you hold that in your hand at night on the couch when you're relaxed. And so whenever you're holding that coin in your hand, it puts you back in that relaxed place. All those are just little methods where you can say, okay, when I'm stressed, I'm gonna give myself a quick little slap on the thigh. I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm gonna grab this little coin and, and hold it and remind myself that I'm not stressed. I just need to be here taking a deep breath and ready to execute my next pitch. So all athletes have their own version of the reset, and it can take a lot of time to figure out what that looks like for you and how you can bring yourself back. But having some conscious awareness of that this is the thing that you need to practice is crucial. So figure out what works for you, how you can try to snap yourself back into being present. So you're not worried about the future. You're not worried about the past. You're not thinking through your mechanics and trying to control yourself like a robot. You can just relax, visualize yourself making the pitch and then execute. Well, that's all the good advice I've got for today. If you enjoy the show and would like to support me while also helping yourself, enroll today in one of my online softball courses. My She's Got a Cannon Throwing courses come with pricing plans for any budget, and my Resolute Athlete Mental Skills course will help your daughter or team build the mindset of a champion. Enroll in any of my courses through the links in the show notes and save 20% with code goodadvice just for being a listener. Be sure to subscribe to my weekly email list where you'll get updates on all my new videos and episodes. Nearly 4,000 people get my emails and you should too. Sign up through the link in the show notes. Lastly, who do you know who can use some good advice? Please share this podcast with a friend. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to my Snap Softball YouTube channel, where you'll find this podcast and hundreds of softball instructional videos. Back when I was a player, I was always thankful for good coaches and good advice. I'm Dan Blewett, and I'll see you next time.